Hey, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to send us your story by visiting our new website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. We're in this series right now. As you prepare, you grab your Bibles. We're in a series uh, on judges talking about broken heroes here at Freedom. And one of the things we know is that God has broken all of us for his glory, right? And through our circumstances, and we can be used by him. And this morning, I'm so honored to, to, to bring along my wife here this morning as she brings the word. Please, please welcome Pastor Lisa. She brings the word here this morning. You guys get to hear me a lot this morning. Buckle your seatbelts. How many of you love this series that we've been doing? Oh, man. If you haven't, I feel bad for you because this is an amazing series. Um, We've been talking about judges and we've been talking about broken heroes and just the cycles that they were the Israelites were going through. And we can look at that and see and compare with how we are today in our own land, in our own nation. I wanted to go into a little bit about the cycles because I think it's so important that we understand exactly what that cycle was and then compare it to what we see now. And it kind of goes like this. Israel does evil in the sight of the Lord. We see this in Judges 3. Verses 7 and 12. We see it in Judges 4 1, and we see it in 6 1 and 13 1. That's the, the opening line. Israel does evil in the sight of the Lord. So there is your first step of your cycle. And that's the way I kind of think. I guess maybe it's that counseling background that I have, and I, I kind of seen it in like the circle. So here's your step one Israel does evil. Step two, Israel is then overcome by the enemy. And if you don't take notes, I really encourage you to do so, man, because I throw out a lot of scripture. I want scripture to always be the backing of everything that we talk about because it needs to be confirmed in his word. It's just my words would be empty if it wasn't filled with scripture. So step one, Israel does evil. Step two, Israel's overcome. Step three, Israel cries out to God. Then Step four, Israel's given a leader or a judge at this time who helps deliver them from the hardship. Then Israel has peace. Step and repeat. Here we go again. Israel does evil inside of the Lord. And it is constantly like this throughout the whole book of Judges. And I'm, I, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, that's just terrible. And then the saddest line in Judges, which is pretty much the theme verse that you see throughout, interwoven throughout all of the chapters, is, the, is chapter 21, verse 25, is the last verse of, of Judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did whatever seemed right to him. Isn't that exactly what America's like right now? We serve no one. So therefore, we do whatever seems right to us. Sad cycle. Because we will see how we will be overcome by an enemy. And then how the church is crying out to God. And God is raising up leaders within the church. And then there will be peace. And if we keep that ongoing cycle, we're not going anywhere. We're just step, repeat, step, repeat, step, repeat. We see it time and time again. It's the same for us. And it's the same for the church. Especially where we are right now. 
So let me ask you this. Who will be the ones that will cry out to God for the sins of our people who will rise up and lead out in peace? And how can we change the cycle? And I'm just going to give you a couple tidbits before we even get into our text this morning because I just, I really prayed about this message. This message was a little bit um, tricky for me because my husband gives me a judge um, to preach on. I'm like, okay. And here, he didn't, he didn't probably, you know, make the connections But for me, I had two words spoken over my life, Um, different periods of my life, different people, different areas about having the spirit of Deborah in me. And so when Tony gave me Deborah, I was like, oh, that's intimidating. It's really intimidating because then I have to evaluate what is it that God's calling me and what is he expecting of me? What is he expecting of all of us? So this morning, we're going to talk about having a Deborah spirit. But I just, as I've been reading through the book of Judges, as we've been going through this series, I just really felt impressed by the Holy Spirit that he spoke that we have to guard ourselves. We have to guard our families during those times of peace. Because it's during those times of peace that our our guard is down. And that's when the enemy loves to kind of sneak in and because we don't have defenses up. It's during those times that our faith can become really laxed. And that's when we must be wise and cautious. We see people walk away from their faith all the time because things are going well. They only come to God when they're in a crisis because it's the cycle. You know, during the times of peace, we don't find need for God because things are going good and things are going smooth and we're in that high mountaintop and we're just enjoying life. But then when crisis happens and situations rise up, then we're like, That's what takes us to our knees. That's what causes us to cry out to God. And we have to stop that cycle. What should have happened during that time of peace is that the next generation should have been equipped by the previous generation. We have to let them know what God did, how he delivered, and teach them not to repeat the same mistakes. You have a job. I have a job. Because we have kids that are watching us. You know, my husband has said this from the pulpit. And I, and I love this statement. And I'm sure he's heard it other places. But what we allow in moderation, our children will do in excess. Good or bad. What your, chi- your children watch you do, they will repeat. But it only in excess. This is where the guard has to come up. And so before we get into um, the story of Deborah, I looked back in Judges 3, and we see Ehud. He was the judge during that time. He kills the enemy. The Israelites followed him down, and they were victorious over the Moabites. And then there was 80 years of peace. And then we see Shamgar, and he became judge. And we don't really see the length of peace so much. We only see that he struck down the Philistines, and there's not a whole lot about him. But this all happens before we meet our next judge, Deborah. And so this morning, we're going to see how God used a mighty woman of unwavering faith to lead his people into the enemy's hands and into peace. Out of the enemy's hands, I should say. The story of Deborah does not center on feminism. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) You know, I'm so tired of like, we have like this whole comparison thing. I can do anything. I can do it better, you know, kind of stuff. We don't. It has nothing to do with gender. It has everything to do with a person who's willing to listen to God no matter what the situation in life looks like. 
It's about carrying faith and walking it out. So we're going to dive into um, the book of Judges, but let's just go to, to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that your word, it cuts, it divides. It is black and it's white. It is truth, Lord. And it, it, it is our source, um, Lord, that we can trust to know what truth is because, God, you are truth. And so, Lord, I pray that you would reveal your truth to us this morning. Open our eyes to your word to see things that we may have never seen before. And God, equip us and train us for this generation that's watching, Lord God. And use us, Lord, like mighty women of Deborah was. Lord, and, and raise up men, Lord God, to carry on this spirit, Lord. And women to carry on this spirit, Lord, that will change generations to come, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to go to Judges 4, verses 1 through 23. And so there's a lot, so bear with me. And I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible this morning, so it might be a little different from what you're reading, but that's okay. It's all, it's all good. So the Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud had died. So the Lord sold them to King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth of the nations. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord because Jabin had 900 iron, iron chariots and he harshly oppressed them for 20 years. Deborah, a prophetess and a wife of Lapidoth. Who comes up with these names, really? But Lapidoth, who was judging Israel at that time, and she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to settle disputes. She summoned Barak, son of Abdomon from Kadesh in Naphtali and said to him, hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel commanded you go deploy the troops on Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men. Then I will lure Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, his chariots and his infantry at the Wadi Kishon to fight against you. And I will hand him over to you. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. I will gladly go with you, she said. But you will receive no honor on the road you are about to take because the Lord will sell Sisera to a woman. So Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak summoned Zebulon and Naphtali to Kadesh. 10,000 men followed him, and Deborah also went with him. Now Heber, the, the Kenite, moved away from the Kenites, the son of Hobab, Moses' father-in-law, and pitched in his tent beside the oak tree, and which was near Kadesh. It was reported to Sisera that Barak, son of Abdomon, had gone up to Mount Tabor. Sisera summoned all of his 900 iron chariots and all the troops who were with him from the nations of the Wadi Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has handed Sisera over to you. Hasn't the Lord gone before you? So Barak came down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. The Lord threw Sisera, all the charioteers, and all the army into a panic before Barak's assault. Sisera left his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Harasheth of the nations. And the whole army of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a single man was left. Meanwhile, Sisera had fled on the foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. And because there was peace between the king Jabin of Hazor and the family of Heber the Kenite, Jael 
went out to greet Sisera and said to him, Come in, my lord. Come in with me. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. And she opened a container of milk and gave him a drink and covered him again. And then he said to her, Stand at the entrance to the tent. And if a man comes and asks you, Is there a man here? Say no. And while he was sleeping from exhaustion, Heber's wife, Jael, took a tent peg, grabbed a hammer, and went silently to Sisera. This is where it gets a little graphic. She hammered the peg into his temple and drove it into the ground, and he died. Rough day. When Barak arrived in pursuit of Sisera, Jael went out to greet him and said to him, Come, I'll show you the man you're looking for. And so he went in with her, and there was Sisera lying dead with a tent peg through his temple. That day, God subdued King Javan of Canaan before the Israelites. The power of the Israelites continued to increase against King Javan of Canaan until they destroyed him. All the women said, yeah. <laughs> that would make a rated R movie. Don't you think? It's pretty graphic. But God will use whomever is willing to be used. And so there are some things about Deborah that I believe that we can apply to our own lives. And so we're going to just dive right into my points here. I don't plan on preaching long. I just plan on asking God, give us what you have and show us. And this is the things that stuck out to me the most about Deborah. Because a woman judge, she's the only one mentioned that was a judge. There are other women prophetesses mentioned throughout scriptures. But she's the only female judge. And the judge had the responsibility of, like, military command. So that's really out of character from what we would see in Scripture, typically. Uh, she not only did that, but she, she, did, she settled disputes. I feel like that as a mom. Any moms out there feel like that's all you do all day is settle disputes? No? I'll, I'll give you my kids for the week, and you can see what that's like then. But Deborah, she listened to his voice. She listened to the voice of God. She was a prophetess, as I mentioned, so she had to listen to the voice of God. It was that interaction with God that she was able to pass on the knowledge given. And we see here in Judges, later in Judges 5, 7, that she was a mother to this nation. She was a mother to the nation of Israel. So Deborah judged Israel, not as a dictator would or not as a monarchy, but rather with the authority that came from God. She used... She was used as his voice piece in dealing with correcting people or dealing with grievances, especially when it came down to spiritual matters, which is typically what they thought was going to be held at those courts, would be um, disagreements over spiritual matters, not so much, you know, he owes me five sheep and I want five cows or, you know, I need his ten camels. I think she, she dealt more with spiritual matters than over tedious matters as in court, but we don't know exactly. But she held her court under the palms, and Israel brought the matters to her. And I just want to just throw this out at you, that you cannot listen to the voice of God unless you spend time with him. How else are you going to hear his voice unless you're not taking time to listen? Write this scripture down, Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 5. It says, My son, if you accept my words and you store up my commands with you, turn your ear to wisdom And apply your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as if if for silver and search for it as 
for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. We need the knowledge of God. We need the knowledge of God in raising our families. We need the knowledge of God in dealing with our finances. We need the knowledge of God in the workplace. If we would seek the knowledge of God and seek his face and seek his voice, we would find it. If we search for it like we would for hidden treasure. And oh, what a treasure you would find. People trusted Deborah. They wouldn't have come to her over these matters if they didn't trust her. And they knew that because she heard from God. They wanted to know what should be done in different situations. They trusted the knowledge and wisdom that she brought forth because they knew she heard from the Lord. So we were created to have a desire to hear from God. We were created for a desire to want to spend time in his presence. It's a void that only God can fill himself. I've been reading a book by Bill Johnson. And, I, and he had this um, section that is a quote from him. And it's a little bit longer than like a one sentence quote that we would normally give. But man, I've been chewing on it all week. The impulse that drives the life of the believer isn't the need to perform for God, but to commune with him. Only when we perceive the face of the one in whom the image we were made, do we come to know who we are and the one for whom we were made. And because of who he is, to behold him and remain unchanged is impossible. Isn't that awesome? Like, I've been chewing on that. We, were, we have an impulse. We're driven to hear from God. We don't want just to perform for God. We want to commune with him. We want that intimate relationship with him. And when we get there, we cannot remain the same. We have to be changed because the presence of God changes everything. Deborah was bold. There are many heroic women of the Bible. But Deborah, she sticks out as a woman who wasn't going to back down. And that's what I like about her. She's kind of like a sassy woman, you know, strong and determined. And I like that about her. I did a little bit of research, and the name Deborah means bee. And so I kind of found it humorous when I was thinking about her, and I was thinking, well, what is it about bees, you know? And this is just from my knowledge. I didn't do any scientific research on bees, okay? But this is what I came up with when I was thinking about a bee. Because I truly believe in naming names for the meaning and not just because it sounds cool. But that's how they did it in the Bible days, too. They, they would name their children according to a meaning, not because, hey, everybody likes the name John. No. <laughs> there was a meaning behind it. But bees, they make that sweet honey. They pollinate flowers and vegetation and, and make things grow because of the, the way that they pollinate. Bees, they work together. They build their colonies and their nests. They protect their queen, their leader. And they will sting hard if they find you to be a threat. And I, I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, what if the church acted like a colony of bees? What if we came together, worked real hard, and everything that we touched just grew and, fl- and flourished because of the Holy Spirit is just being deposited everywhere we go? And make sweet, sweet honey that is good. And that we protect and work together. And then when the enemy comes in, we know how to sting. You know, we don't sting one another. We sting the enemy. And that's the way bees work. And I thought, man, how awesome is that? 
So Deborah tells um, Barak, go take 10,000 warriors and fight. And that she told him, listen, God's going to hand this over to you. And that um, Jobim will be handed right over and you're, you're going to win. So then we see in our text that, that Jabin has been oppressing Israel for 20 years. So this isn't like this little like, um, you know, oh, I don't like him. He, he's oppressing Israel for 20 years. And so this is what they know for so many years. And that we see later in Judges 5, 8, later in the song of Deborah and, and Barak, that Israel had no weapons among their 40,000. So... He's only going to take 10,000 of his people, but they have no weapons. They have nothing to fight with. And they're going against an army that has, you know, charioteers. So it's not exactly a fair fight. But then again, when has Israel ever had a fair fight? They were always outnumbered. They were always outsourced. But God always came through. So Barak tells Deborah, that he's not going to go unless she goes with him. And this is where I like Deborah. She's like, this is that sass. So she says, okay. She's, she says, I'll, I'll go with you. But because of his hesitation, Deborah explained that the victory is now going to go to a woman. And that's probably a little bit of a sting. Right? So let's look at Judges 4, 6 through 9. So she summoned Barak, son of Adman from Kadesh in Nathali and said to him, hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel commanded you go deploy the troops and take with you 10,000 men. And then I will lure Sisera commander of Jabin's army in his chariots with his infantry at the Kashan river to fight against you. And I will hand him over to you. And Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. She said, I will gladly go with you. But you will receive no honor on the road you are about to take, because the Lord will send Sarah to a woman. And so Deborah got up, and she went with Barak to Kadesh. You know, and some of us would be like, oh, maybe he just really liked her. Maybe he was like, man, Deborah's the woman. She's strong. She's fierce. I want her by my side. She wasn't impressed with the invitation. She saw right through it. See, because of his, we don't know, fear, insecurity, lack of faith, whatever it was that held him back from moving forward and listening to God and trusting that the word spoken would come forth, he forfeited his title as a victor. When God has given us a word, and this is where boldness comes in, when God has given us his word, we have to trust him. Otherwise, we're going to miss out on victories in our life because fear and worry and doubt, they creep in, it clouds our vision, and we can't see what God is doing. But God's purposes will still move forward. But like Barak, we could completely miss out on how God wanted to use us because we let things hold us back. When God calls you, be bold in going. Don't hold back. Now listen, Deborah was a wife. We see that. And I, I see this a lot in time, and I'm going to be very sensitive in how I say this. We have a lot going on in our lives. We are so busy. We are so busy that we can't keep up with our own schedules, let alone how are we going to serve God? How am I going to volunteer, God? I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. And we just come, and we sit, and we soak, and we leave. Deborah was a wife as well. And I'm sure she had multiple things going on in her life. 
She still had her traditional ways of having to take care of her family, take care of her, of her husband. Yet, we see that she had time to do the work of God. I don't see her husband's name mentioned when she's going to go into battle with Barak. But I know that she still would have honored her husband because that's the kind of woman she was. She still had responsibilities to do. And we expect a victory. We expect to win things. We expect to overcome things, but we don't want to put any work in. We become lazy in that mentality for spiritual building. So I found this little story I thought was cute, but it, it drives home this point. A salesman got lost on the side of the road. And he stopped to ask for directions from a ragged and barefoot man sitting in the front of his dilapidated house. After receiving the information he needed, the salesman asked, How is your cotton coming on? Ain't got none, replied the farmer. The traveler continued, Did you plant any? To this, man, to this the man responded, Nope, I was afraid of boll weevils. And those are beetles that infest cotton plants. And then the curious visitor then asked, Well, then how is your corn doing? To which the man equipped, Well, I didn't plant none. Afraid there wasn't going to be any rain. Undaunted, the stranger still made another inquiry. Well, how are your potatoes? Again, the reply came, ain't got none. Scared of potato bugs. Somewhat puzzled, the salesman made one final inquiry. Really, what did you plant? The answer was nothing. I just played it safe. If you don't plant, you won't reap a harvest. And how many times do we do that in our own spiritual walk where we're afraid to plant, we're afraid to give, we're afraid to do anything because we're not sure what it's going to look like. So we just sit back and we do nothing. It's dangerous. Very dangerous. What is God, what has he called you to do? What has he asked you to step out in? And do not let fear hold you back. Maybe you haven't simply made time for it, but be bold. Be bold in knowing that he who has called you to do the work, he's going to be so faithful to see you complete it through. And then Deborah, she walks in worship. A victory was released upon Israel. We see that. The Lord threw Sisera into confusion. So their charioteers, they ended up going on foot. And Barak's army came and led the assault. But then after all is said and done, and God uses a woman to drive a tent peg through the man's head, we see victory is released. What a way to be victorious. Don't go camping with a lady. (laughs) But she walks in victory and she leads out in song in worship. Now listen, I could preach to you all day long on worship and I won't do that to you. But I could. Because I find so much of what I need in my life I can find through giving worship. Psalm 100 says, "Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs." Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. And listen, his faithfulness continues through all generations. 
worship him. Give him the worship that he is worthy of and that he is due. And when your children see the way that you worship, they will continue it in excess in their lives. And they will see the faithfulness from generation to generation to generation. Why? Because we hear from the Lord. We walk boldly in our faith and we worship our God uninhibited. Worship is simply this. We are serving God. We are adoring God. We are thanking him. This is all from Psalm 100. We are establishing a connection with God. We are fulfilling his commands. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Judges 5, 1 through 4. This is where I'm not going to read through the whole song. I kind of laughed as I was reading through the song because I'm like, this isn't quite the kind of song that's like verse, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, 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 bridge, chorus, chorus, chorus. How we do it, church? You, you, you ever pick up on that? This song is like, okay, I wouldn't know the next words because it's just a continual praise of everything that they endured, everything that they went through. And how God's faithfulness was displayed. Five verses one through four. It says, On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abdamon, sang, When the leaders lead in Israel, and when the people volunteer, blessed be the Lord. Listen, kings, pay attention, princes. I will sing to the Lord, and I will sing the praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when you came from Seir, when you marched from the fields of Edom, the earth trembled, the skies poured rain, and the clouds poured water. The mountains melted before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. I think it's so important to note that when we're victorious throughout scriptures, we see all those who are victorious, they lead out in song. They lead out in worship. Because they're giving praise to the one who brought them through. And you know, I was, as I was reading this, and I see the part where Deborah praises about those who volunteered. And it, man, it stuck out to me. Because later in the song, we, we see her sing about the people who didn't as well. <laughs> Wouldn't that be ironic if we sang about all those who in church who volunteered and then we, we also call out those who don't? <laughs> Awkward. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit spoke this to my heart. And I believe this. Not everyone will follow you. But sing out in praise for those who fight with you. Give praise to God for those who stand by you. But don't stop worship because all will not join you. And I sat there as he spoke that to me. And I was like, my mouth dropped open because I'm not smart enough to come up with those words myself. I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, can I be honest? And I love you. I love you all. But when you lead in worship and you see this, it's intimidating a little bit. You take it personally because you wonder, God, are they getting it? You won't stop my praise. I'll keep going. But doubt creeps in. Could you imagine if we stopped because not all joined in? Hmm. 
or we're afraid of who's going to get it, you know, or what if they just think we're really kooky here? And I'm sure there's some that are. I've watched them walk out. Third song in, they're like, I'm out of here. I don't know what kind of place this is. But you know what? That's not for us to decide whether or not if we're going to raise our hands in worship, if we're going to get on our face in worship because we're worried about the next person sitting, sitting next to us, what they're thinking. Oh, because then what is worship about? Oh, we've changed the focus completely from him to us. Church, don't be afraid to worship. Don't think that a gift of worship is worthless. I have fought many battles through worship. My victory chant is praise. My victory chant is thankfulness for all that God has done for me. Worship is real, it is powerful, and it is intimate. So, Teresa, would you come up and and play for us? I think it's not only important to look at Deborah and say, what kind of judge was she? What kind of leader was she? Those things were really important. Those points that I thought, man, this is what sticks out to me. But that does nothing if we don't apply the scriptures to our own lives. We can talk about a character in the Bible and we can reference them and we can say, that was awesome. They're amazing. But how does that work for me? What does that mean for me? And I found going back through, this is simply this. Seek his voice. Don't just seek the hand of God. We do that a lot. God, I need you to come through. Oh, Lord, I need my bank account to have an amazing amount of money by the end of the day because I have rent due, right? We pray for things. And I'm not saying don't. Oh, please don't take it wrong. But if we only come to God when we're in need, we're missing out on knowing him. Seek his voice. Don't be afraid of his voice. John 10 verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I want to know the voice of God so intimately that I hear a whisper from the Holy Spirit. When he's calling me, Or when he says, I need you to change direction. Or I need you to do this. I want to know his voice so intimately. I want to know every little goose pimple that comes up. That I know that's the Holy Spirit. And that I take the time to hear him. Seek his voice. Seek godly counsel. Deborah gave words from God. And the Israelites sought her out. We need to seek godly counsel. And Proverbs eleven fourteen says, For a lack of guidance, a nation falls. But victory is won through many advisors. Seek godly counsel. Seek it from someone that you know isn't going to just make you feel good, but is 
going to go to the throne room of God and is going to hear from the Lord. And they're going to be able to impart wisdom that only can come from the Holy Spirit. Seek that counsel in making your decisions. Seek that counsel. Be bold and move forward. Ephesians 3.12 says that in him we have boldness and we have confident access through faith in him. Don't let fear and worry hold you back from the fullness that God has for you. Fear and worry just rob you. It robs you of your peace. It robs you of your joy. And it robs you as your title of victor because God's purposes will still go on with or without you. Can you imagine if we allowed the spirit of God to rise up within us and give us a boldness that we walked forward, not knowing what the outcome might be, but knowing that God goes before us, so who can be against us? And this one... We see that the generations kept doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Well, what were they doing? They were serving other gods. Because in those times of peace, whatever feels good, let's just do that. So let's remove anything that doesn't please God. Let's remove the strongholds that are going to hold our children back from receiving the fullness of his spirit. I don't know what you struggle with. But I know my God is greater. And I know if you just step in boldness and faith and remove the garbage from your home, remove the garbage from your life, watch and see what God will do. And young ladies, what your man allows now, don't think it's going to get better just because he puts a ring on it. It's more than putting a ring on it. His attitude the way he treats you, the way he treats his mother, the way that he takes on life. Do not think, oh, he will get better. He will become stronger. Man, if she's a player now, she'll be a player later. Think about that. Remove things out of your life that do not look like Christ because you yourself cannot change it. And what we allow our children to see now, they will do in excess later. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5 says, For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds, we demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. There's power. When you remove those things, God has given you the, his spirit lives within you. And we understand that it is not flesh and blood that we are fighting, but it is the darkness and it is the principalities of the air that we're coming against. And they are waging a war against our children. They are waging a war against your marriage. Are you going to stand up and allow that to happen? Or are you going to fight the good fight? Worship with all of your heart. Don't be a spectator of worship. Dive in and dive in deep. Because it's in there, in that act of giving it to God, that you will be so overwhelmed with his glory and his presence. There is nothing like it. 
First Chronicles 16, 23 through 31, it's just, this was the perfect scripture for my heart's cry. It says, let the whole earth sing to the Lord, proclaim his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his wondrous works among all peoples. For the Lord is great and highly praised. He is feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering. Come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Let the whole earth tremble before him. The world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. It's his word. It's his word. I hope it's stirring your spirit. So everybody, let's just stand. And I just want you to go into prayer. I want you to ask God, what cycles of sin need to be broken off of me? What cycles of sin need to be broken off my family line? What is it in my life, God, that needs to be torn down that doesn't look like you? And God, I want to seek your face. I want to seek your voice. I want your boldness, Lord God. Bring someone into my life, Lord, that can speak godly counsel. There are so many things that we can ask of God right now. What are you willing to ask of him? This is not a time that we want fear and worry to hold us back. But boldly go to the throne room of Christ and ask of him. He will be your provider. He will sustain you. He will give you new faith. He will give you fresh vision. So this morning, let's just take some time and pray that God would speak to you what it is that he needs to infiltrate in your life.